0: And then in my church, this was like maybe September, yeah, September time, 2016, they announced this women's conference and it would have an exhibition day as well for business owners to just showcase their products and everything. So I remember sitting there when they were announcing it and I could feel God being like, okay, all right, you have to show your products at this thing, like you need to launch Army." Even if, even if it's in a small way, just, just put it out there. And I was like, huh? I don't even have anything.
1: This is Origins Africa podcast, where we explore the origin stories of people who have made and are making their dreams come true, asking the what, the when, the how, and the why.
0: I'm
1: Oshaya. And on this episode, Ore Rushewe shares her journey on building Arami Essentials, one of the leading indigenous skincare products in Nigeria. Ore is the founder and CEO of Arami Essentials. Over the past few years, there has been a lot of emphasis on the use of natural, organic products for skincare, with people increasingly trying to find the perfect product for themselves. That was the challenge Ore faced when she moved to Nigeria. She wasn't able to find her preferred skincare products locally and had to keep waiting on friends and family who traveled. It wasn't sustainable. So, Aura decided to start making her own skincare products just for herself, unconsciously birthing the seeds for Arami Essentials. Arami, which means my body, began with one simple belief that the body is a temple, a sacred place to be treated mindfully and what touches our skin seeps within, restoring serenity, purity and balance to the center of our world. Today, Arami Essentials is a profitable company and has become one of the leading indigenous skincare products in Nigeria. Ora is the third of four children and grew up in London in the 90s.
0: Growing up for me was a great experience. I have a sister and two brothers. I'm number three or four. I grew up in the UK. I was born there. I went to school there. I had all of my education there and everything. Um, I had a I had a good childhood.
1: So looking back, uh, what's your fondest memory from childhood?
0: Hmm. So my fondest memory would be going to Disneyland Paris when I was about, uh, definitely less than 10, but more than like six. So I'd say maybe eight and I had the best time of my life. (laughs) It was a good, it was a good trip. It was my first time in France, first time at Disneyland in any country. And it was just like the most amazing experience, seeing something so creative and like bright, but in real life, like not just on the TV. So it was just a fun experience. It got my creative juices flowing. I remember from that trip, I actually, remember I had this mini mouse notebook and that notebook when I look back on it is probably one of the first like journals about my creativity that I can remember so back then I was convinced I was going to be a fashion designer and you know I had all my designs down in this notebook for years I don't know where it is now but um, now that I look back on it, I was probably inspired by just the creativity of being at Disneyland.
1: Growing up, Ori had been more interested in climbing the corporate ladder and not necessarily becoming an entrepreneur.
0: I've never, like when people ask me about the entrepreneurial journey, I can't say that, oh, since I was five, I always knew I was going to be an entrepreneur. Or, you know, I've been selling things since I was 10. No, like it wasn't It really isn't like that. It's something I've really developed more in my latter years. So it was only really around the time I started Army three to four years ago that the whole creativity and entrepreneurial flair really began to rise within me. Um, before that, I was actually more interested in climbing the corporate ladder and working in communications, which I used to do before I started at Army. So the entrepreneurial side of things is definitely more of my I guess maybe I would say it's what I'm meant to be doing because I found such joy and fulfillment in doing it but I can't say that I knew that that was that's what I should have been doing the whole time
1: okay did you enjoy schooling back then as a kid
0: yes I actually I always loved school to be honest I never I never hated school, I never hated class. I always had a lot of friends. I was always quite happy at school, to be honest. I guess the only big change will be when I moved from primary school to secondary school. So I was in in a mixed school for my primary education and then I moved to an all girls private school for my secondary education, which was predominantly white because it was a private school in the UK. Um, And This definitely led to me becoming more, or finding out that I was more of an assertive character than I realized I was. So, when I was younger, before secondary school, my experiences with other children were mainly, okay, school, which was, and my school was very multi-ethnic, and church, and then my siblings, my cousins. But then going to secondary school, I I was a minority. I do not know if I had an awakening of that or an awareness of that before um, but going to secondary school I definitely had an awareness of the fact that I was one of just a handful of black children or a handful of black girls in the whole school. Um, I also had an awareness of the fact that my name wasn't easy to to say um, and I just realized I think going to that kind of school definitely made me you know, shaped a big part of who I was. I made really good friends, some of who some of whom I'm still in close contact with till today. And yeah, I re- I really did have good good secondary school experience.
1: Okay. And what what were your parents like? Were they women fuzzy or different kind of people?
0: Yes, my parents are very different people. My mom is warm, fuzzy. But at the same time, she does have like a no-nonsense backbone. So you can't take complete advantage of her because once she comes, she means it. So she's more warm and fuzzy. My dad, on the other hand, is a lot stricter, a lot more straight and narrow, a lot more conservative and everything. So to be honest, I think I have a good balance of parents. I don't think I would have thrived with two warm and fuzzy people and i also don't think i would have thrived with two extremely straight and narrow conservative um strict parents either so i'm quite grateful for the balance that i had
1: who had the greater influence than in you
0: i would say more obviously my mom definitely has the greater greater influence on me um this is not even just between my parents this is just in general, in terms of people that influence me, my mom and I are extremely close. I really do bounce practically everything off of her. So, and I, I just think she's an amazing person. So I really do, I really do think I'm greatly influenced by her. Um, but at the same time, I do think that I have a lot of similarities to my dad, which I've only recently begun to see. And He's very hardworking and very meticulous in all that he does. He's very attention, attention to detail orientated. And that really has helped, especially even in building the brand because he does make me think of things that I haven't thought of. And sometimes that is annoying because I'm like, dude, there's just one or like, it's a lot for me to just do like less. Let me just do this in my own time. But at the same time, it does help because I think that that has helped me to be a lot more detail orientated than maybe I would have been without him.
1: Okay. That's great. So how did you settle on studying computer in the university?
0: So I studied computer science with business and management at the University of Manchester. Um, this was not my first choice degree. I actually landed in doing computer science more because my first choice degree, I didn't actually get the required grades that I needed to get. I was what to get was
1: your degrees. first choice?
0: My first choice was politics and economics. Okay. So quite different. Um, but I actually didn't get the required grades, which really, was a huge blow. And it was quite funny because I actually got an A in politics, but um, I was meant to get three A's and I didn't get three A's. So um, it was a hard pill to swallow. It was humbling to say the least. Um, But so I landed on computer science, which was a second choice degree at my second choice university. So I really felt like I'd lost out on so much because I wanted to stay in London which I knew go to go to a London university, and you know I thought that that was just going to be my life. So when I realised I had to go to Manchester, I was actually distraught for a few days, and then I got over it. And now looking back, I am absolutely certain that I wasn't meant to stay in London for school. I was actually meant to be away from my convenient and well-known environment I had to get out of my comfort zone because obviously going to a different city a few hours away from home was definitely an experience that made me a lot more independent so I'm quite grateful to be honest for the failure because it led me to somewhere that I might never have been to before.
1: Okay, what had spurred your interest in politics, economics and do you regret not studying it?
0: No, I don't regret it. I don't want to say this to discourage anyone, but studying whatever you study at university, unless you're a lawyer or a doctor or an engineer, is so... It's just not important to what you actually become in life. Like, I think university is more about life skills, really, than medical doctor, dentist, pharmacist, um, lawyer, you know, all those, like, traditional professions where you actually need to know certain things. But for all the other ones, like us, we could have studied anything i was interested in politics and economics because politics was my favorite subject at school i actually got an a i was actually scored in top 10 top 10 percentile in the whole of the uk for my politics grade and i took it very seriously as uh, as a subject and i probably took it more seriously than my other two subjects which is probably why i didn't do as well in those two as i did in politics but i thought politics was so interesting i learned about things that we're experiencing now and back then it seemed like it would never happen like i learned i was studying politics when obama became the president that was groundbreaking because um he he's black that he was the first black president of the united states of america that was something else um I also studied politics at a time where the UK was pretty stable politically and we learned about things like referendums, coalition governments, um, what would happen if England left the EU. And these were all just these hypothetical things that we never thought would happen. And so seeing how all those things actually played out um, over the last few years has just been so interesting for me to watch. But yes, I'm, I'm quite interested in politics because I, I care about politics how nations are run, I care about democracy, and so I don't think that's a, that's a, an interest that will, that will ever really die, but whether I needed to study it at university for it to become an integral part of my life, I
1: don't think so. Okay, do you think you'll be exploring that interest, maybe take up a, take up office?
0: Um, (laughs) quite a funny question, I mean, I always, when I was still in my corporate life, I'm working in communications, I actually always thought that I would end up being like a communications advisor for like the president or a, or um, another another office or something. Um, now, given the direction my life has taken, unlikely, um, but never say never. I mean, I, I wouldn't say no to a position like maybe a ministerial position if it was something that I was passionate about and I was seen to be, you know, key for the job. I wouldn't say no, but I think I'm more involved in private sector and I do think that's where I want to stay, but hey, anyway, never say never.
1: <laughs> okay, okay, interesting. So you had gotten the competence with business management and I know you had focused more on the business management side. Could you talk about that?
0: Yeah, so business management... Was more about like, you had a bit of economics, accounting, um, marketing, strategy, uh, basically business. So um, it's only really now that I'm seeing how I was actually learning the basics for beginning to run a business. But I really, I it sounds very silly because the course is business management, so obviously. But back then, as I said, I wasn't entrepreneurial thinking, so I really didn't see it like that. Um, but it was it was definitely the my most preferred side of my course. Computer science is highly technical and I always kind of knew that I wasn't going to be a software developer or like a hard coder. So I I did it and I did okay. But the business management side of things was where my interest really did lie. Um, definitely learning a lot about strategy and marketing. Marketing was my favorite module. Um, I loved the classes on that and that is actually how I got into communications.
1: Following graduation, Ori had taken up an internship role. And in your final semester, you had interned?
0: No, after my final
1: semester. Okay, it was after. Okay, could you talk about that? The internship experience that then led you to communications.
0: So when you want to work in public relations or corporate communications in the UK, you have to do a number of internships. It's like a right of way. You can't just get into it and get a full-time job, and you know, it doesn't really happen like that. Um, so I ended up kind of interning for about a year in different public relations and communication consultancies and agencies. And it was an interesting experience, again, humbling. I also got to understand what I liked, what I didn't like, what I wanted to work full-time in, what I didn't want to. I understood different, I got to understand different kinds of people. You know, working is like the real world. University is not, but working is. um, But it was all great experience because all great experiences because I got to learn a lot about myself and also about other people. So I would say that those were the beginnings of like people management skills, things I'd taken for granted and not really paid much attention to but working and interning and you know you're 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 not even at the bottom you're below the bottom because you're not even like entry level you are below entry level you're trying to get an entry level position so it's definitely a humbling experience you're asked to get all kinds of things that have nothing to do with the job but it paid off because I ended up with a great a great position as my entry level position and I believe that the company took an interest in me because I was I did have a lot of this experience of being an intern and so therefore I started there as an intern and it was an internship that was meant to last for three months. But after one week, they asked me if I was interested in a full-time position, which I had to interview for and everything, but I ended up getting it. So my internship was cut down to one month and then I became a full-time employee. So that was really good and I loved working there. It was a great experience and met great people, worked on amazing clients and Definitely one of my favorite working experiences ever.
1: Okay. How long were you there for?
0: I was just there for like over a year because after that I moved to Nigeria.
1: Would you say you made any mistakes or were there any key learning points for you whilst you were there?
0: Um key learning points for me. Yes. Especially even looking came back. I would say that was when I began to began to understand empathy skills and how I came across as a person because you know I was I was good at what I was doing but was I necessarily a nice person was I I was fun but when it came down to certain things I kind of was a bit brattish. so I think it taught me how I needed to be aware of how I came across because sometimes I wouldn't necessarily mean something in a certain way but because of the way that I spoke or the way that I conducted myself I would be seen in a certain way and it was really from that experience experience that I understood why a lot of people are very wary of the way they come across in the working environment because work politics is 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 not it's not fun like you actually yes you don't necessarily want to be sucking up to every single person there but you also don't want to be seen as like a horrible person because that reputation can then follow you around and everything so I think looking back I would definitely tell myself then to just kind of calm down and be a bit more personable and a bit more empathetic and try and be a bit more likable because it wasn't it just I didn't need to have some of the experiences that I left there with and everything so even when you're right sometimes you don't have to just be like, I'm right, you're wrong. There's a way to kind of conduct yourself in the working environment.
1: After spending little over a year in the company, Ora decided to move to Nigeria.
0: It was a decision that was, I would say, if you asked me at the time, I would say it was well thought through, but looking back, it was just more, I'm 23, I'm gonna do what I want. I don't really wanna live in the UK anymore. I'm bored, I've been here for ages. Where is the next easiest place to live? Oh yes, I'm Nigerian. My dad lives there. I could just go there for like a year. Okay,
1: you got bored of your job.
0: Not really bored of my job, but bored of living in the UK.
1: Okay, just continue. I felt
0: that, yes, and I felt that I, could potentially live in Nigeria when I was older. So I wanted to get the whole NYSC thing out the way. Um, and so I was like, okay, I'll go to Nigeria for a year and do NYSC and then come back. So that was really my plan, which wasn't like a, a really well thought through plan, but it just seemed to make sense to me, um, which is why I went forward with it. So yeah that was that was really why I ended up moving and just to really just to really get NYC out of the way and just have a different have a different experience. Maybe somebody would say it was like a delayed gap here or something.
1: In retrospect, why do you say was it wasn't well thought through?
0: Because it wasn't like I had this calling to be in Nigeria or I knew that I was going to start army and I needed to be in Nigeria. so that's what I mean when I say well thought through. It was more like I can so I am I will rather than this is these are all the amazing well thought through concrete reasons why I need to live in nigeria right now
1: so i moved to nigeria in 2014 and got posted to wimbiz women in management business and public service in non profit organization for her service year in lagos
0: so i worked at wimbiz for NYSC. i knew a few of the founding members, they're friends of my mom's. So I they were my they're my aunts essentially and I just explained to them what I wanted to do. And around that same time before I actually moved to Nigeria, I had begun a quite a big interest in the development sector. And um, I wanted a role that would combine my communications experience with the development sector. So I got talking to one of my aunts and she was like oh i think you would be a perfect person to work at wimbiz this is what wimbiz does i think you'd be great why didn't you come live in nigeria for a year i think you'd do i think you'd love it i think you'd fit in and all that so i was like okay that sounds good she was actually one of the people that encouraged me to come and everything just from a conversation so that was actually how i got into wimbiz
1: and did you love it As they said.
0: Yeah. Remembers is an amazing organization and I met an amazing array of women through working there. It was just inspiring. It's like meeting bosses every single day. Like I remember some of the meetings I would go to and I would read the CVs of some of the people I was like sitting next to. And I'm like, whoa, these women are accomplished. Are just, wow, they're inspiring I was definitely inspiring working there.
1: What lesson did Wimbe's leave you with?
0: Wimbe's left me with the unnotion and the and the belief that I could actually build something. I think through working at Wimbe's, I realised how many gaps in the market there were in Nigeria. So it was while I was actually working at Wimbe's that I started beginning to write down the beginnings of what I will now call ARMY. So it wasn't exactly what ARMY is now, but it was somewhere along the lines. Like, so I have a friend that I worked with there and she will tell you like, yeah, I remember when she had this idea because I'd already started kind of building, but I just didn't know that it was going to become ARMY.
1: Okay, so it was whilst you were at WimBiz, there was a need to get um, skincare products and it was difficult getting them, so you started making yours?
0: Um, I don't think I was, I think I kind of left WimBiz by that time, once I started making things for myself. Um, But I think from WimBiz, I realized that there were definitely gaps in the market, so I was not just... In the skincare
1: products market?
0: Yeah, skin, cosmetics, uh, like the, uh, the a wide range of cosmetics. I realized that it was hard to rely on imported products because of availability and price difference. And the ones that were made here were just not as appealing.
1: Okay, so let's talk about the early days, early years of Army Essentials. The infant stages, could you talk about that?
0: Okay, so Arame began through frustration. It was just the frustration of not having the products I needed at my fingertips and the alternatives were just not what I wanted to see on my dressing table or in my bathroom cabinet. Um, I like the way things look, like I'm a very aesthetic person. I like, I like seeing nice things. So if it's going to be in my environment, which I think affects your mind, I think it needs to look nice. It needs to appeal to you and appease your senses. So I, I was like, okay, I can't get the product I currently use. I can, I'm tired of waiting for people to come back and forth or to travel myself. This is not a way to live. So I started looking at, what, okay, Nigerians that don't travel and don't buy overpriced imported goods, what are they using? Mm, shea butter, mm, coconut oil, mm, black soap. Oh, wow, there's so many of these raw ingredients just here in abundance. So that led me to do a lot of research and ask a lot of questions. And I then realized that I liked the way these ingredients made me feel. I would make my own mixtures, mix my own oils with different things, butter, And I was actually using a lot of stuff on my hair first. And then I kind of gradually began to use things on my skin. So, you know, people around me would always say, oh, what are you using on your skin? And, (laughs) oh, I would say, okay, I'm using this. And then actually somebody was in my house and saw a bottle of oil that I had. And was like, is this what you use? And I was like, yeah, I love this oil. It's great for my body. I also use it on my hair as well. And so she smells it. She's like, wow, this is so nice. Have you ever thought about creating your own line of products? So I was just like, mm, no, I hadn't really considered this, but the question stayed with me. And... I wondered why I hadn't actually considered it because I kind of had all the ingredients needed. I had an interest in cosmetics. I had a, I had the frustration of not being able to get the ones that I wanted. And then I had a background in communications which would help with presentation of it. So I began to do more research and more digging and began to craft what is now Army Essentials.
1: So what exactly were you researching about?
0: A lot of the research was into... Um, like basic skincare formulations so although i've had now i've had like more formal training for cosmetics and skincare back then i didn't have any so i was mixing things but then i needed to understand like ratios and percentages and everything and i didn't i didn't um have formal training on this at that time so i began to do research, and i mean google is your friend you can find anything on the internet so I began creating my own recipes and formulations, writing them down, trying them out, cancelling them, trying a new one. It was actually quite fun.
1: Okay. And how long did this this take before you would say maybe you had your first final product that was good enough to market?
0: So I had a soft launch in November, October, 2016. And I would say for, the best part of the year, I was doing this.
1: In just a moment, Ora will be talking about overcoming the fears and doubts she had before finally launching Arami Essentials, the struggles she had and sacrifices she made, as well as lessons learned in the course of her journey. Stay with us. I'm Oshaya, and you're listening to Origins Africa Podcast. Hi, dear listener, if you love our show, please leave us a review on iTunes and Apple Podcast. You can also send us a tweet or comment on Instagram at OriginsAF. We love to read from you. Nope, not later. Yes, I read your mind. Do it now. Thanks a lot. Also click the subscribe button and share with a friend let's make a difference together one origin story at a time hi guys welcome back to origins africa podcast i'm oshaya now before the soft launch in october 2016 or i had had some doubts and fears
0: I had this journal where i used to write down everything so I said when i was younger i loved writing and writing down my ideas and things um So I'd started writing all my ideas again And for irony. I'd come up with a name, changed the name, got a new name, new products, changed those, changed to something else, finalized and everything. So I just had it in this journal that I still have today, sold today. And it was just, it just used to sit there. So one day I was out with my friend and her friend, and we were just talking about work and life and everything. And he was asking, my friend's friend, he was asking like, um, you like your job so i was like yeah it's cool it's what i do blah, blah blah and then my friend was like oh don't mind her she actually has a beauty brand that she's working on but she just won't launch it so i was looking at my friend like shut up i don't have a beauty brand like stop talking but she was just like no that i'm tired of you i've seen your journal you have such good ideas i don't know why you won't just put them out there blah blah so i was just like whatever i'm not i'm just not ready like maybe next year, maybe next year I'll do this, maybe next year. And then in my church, this was like maybe September, yeah, September time, 2016, they announced this women's conference and it would have an exhibition day as well for business owners to just showcase their products and everything. So I remember sitting there when they were announcing it and I could feel God being like, okay, all right, you have to show your products at this thing. Like you need to launch army, even if, even if it's in a small way, just just put it out there. And I was like, huh? I don't even have anything. I just have a couple of raw ingredients, a few containers, nothing formal. I didn't have labels, nothing, banner, nothing. So I was like, no, 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 no. But the 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 thought would not leave me. And I was like, okay. So I signed up, and then I got to work. So. I think I'm someone that does work well with deadlines. Like I can work well, quite well under pressure. So, I got to work, and every moment I'm aside from juggling my job, I'm living and breathing army. I'm creating labels, creating mixtures, formulations, making things right. I did that for a few weeks, and then the the exhibition rolled around so i was just, i was just like okay i'll just take a couple of things and i'm not selling i'm just i let me just test the market let me see what people think and so i go there with a couple of products and i literally left with nothing because people saw the products and they were like okay how much is this i want to buy that okay what does this do okay i'm ready to buy and i'm like oh no they're not for sale i'm just you know testing the market and they're like no i want this product and i'm just like okay made up prices on the spot and then just sold them and that was just it and from there i'm here now so (laughs) i guess something interesting
1: interesting so, see, um, so I could see that it was you taking that first step to sign up that helped. Before that, there was a the fear, there was the doubt, and no, well, immediately you signed up and there was that deadline, you committed to it.
0: Yes, yeah. Yeah, um, I was literally saying this to my, my friend the other day, like, you know, I don't like losing. Like, I don't know, I just, I'm so silly. Like, even when I go on runs, if I see somebody running past me, I start running harder until I pass them. And it's actually annoying because sometimes I'm like, Like, forget what anybody else is doing. Just focus on you. But I'm like, no, 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 no. I was running faster than them. Now I'm not. (laughs) But that's me. I have a very competitive nature. So once I have a goal in mind, I'm just, I have to get there. Like if it means I'm not going to sleep, I have to get there. If it means I'm not going to do anything else, I have to get there. And I think that's just how it has been with army since the beginning. Um, I had a full-time job up until last year, this time last year. So just been, I've just been doing army full-time for a year. So I think the competitive and just resilient and just go for it nature that I have helped because if it meant I wouldn't sleep, I wouldn't sleep if it meant that i needed to wake up at four o'clock in the morning i would if it meant that i couldn't go out on my weekends anymore my friday nights i stopped if it meant that i couldn't just binge watch tv all weekend and just lie in bed eating sweets and watching tv that's what that stopped so i had to give up things and i don't even know if i was actually aware at the time, as I was going along, that this is what was happening. But it was like I kind of just like looked around one day, and I was just like, "Wait, where is my social life? When was the last time I talked to this friend? When was the last time I watched a TV show? Uh, what?" Like it was just so, it was so crazy, but so worth it because I could see the fruit right in front of my hands. I could see what I had been working on or what I had been what I had been doing, I could see it within, I could see it, it was real. So it's definitely, it was definitely worth it.
1: So you, to a large extent, had to give up your social life to make our army work?
0: Yes, essentially. And to be honest, most entrepreneurs in the early stages of their business will have to do that. That is, I don't know if it's something that people talk about a lot, but in the early stages, nothing is actually more important. Like going out for drinks on a Friday night is not more important than working on your passion project. And that's the thing we call side hustles passion babies and passion projects and things like that. So if it's really your passion project, you shouldn't even have a problem giving up those things. So I think that the passion did overtake some of my, some of the things I thought I enjoyed doing I think I overtook them because I I, I wasn't passionate about going out.
1: So. Okay. Now you had your nine-to-five job and you had also your passion that you were pursuing. How were you able to, and I'm sure, or oh, I like to think that this passion was something you were eating, breathing, drinking, sleeping literally every day. How were you still able to function optimally in your nine-to-five job? Was it easy to juggle both? Or did your nine-to-five maybe suffer once in a while because of your passion?
0: Um, It wasn't easy to juggle, but it was doable. And it was doable. I'm saying it was doable because I'm looking back and saying okay, I did it. But at the time it didn't feel doable. I would say for like the first year to two I was always tired I was always tired I would go to work with bags like I'm sure if a lot of when my no not even I'm sure a lot of my colleagues that I've seen recently my ex-colleagues that I've seen after I left um my job they're like wow your skin is growing you look so good like and I'm like yeah because I sleep and even now it's not even like I I'm not busy I am very busy I it's like I made room for I don't even know if the, the room I made by leaving my nine to five is even enough to actually do all that I need to do with Army. but I mean, I have to get there at some point. But um, I wasn't, it wasn't, it was very hard. It was challenging. And it was what I would say was a test. Like, do you really, are you really passionate about this? Do you really want this to work? Do you really see this becoming something greater than yourself? Because when you can answer those questions as yes, you will push through like you, God will literally give you the grace. But if the answer is no, you will not have the grace to do those things because you don't even really believe in it. You have to actually believe in what you're doing. And it's when you believe in it, that's when you actually are ready to put your, your best foot forward. If it means no going out, no TV binges, um, if it means cutting out all those things, you will actually do it.
1: Okay, okay. Thanks for that. Um, this is also another curious question, which would write off that last one. Um, as I, yeah, maybe I would also ask the question differently. So you have a passion that you were pursuing, and then you had the nine to five job. Were you still able to, and as you said, there were the bugs you went to work with, you were tired. So were you able to give your best to your nine to five? I don't you um, get the question
0: yes i do i think initially i definitely was given my best because and my best actually was good enough because i actually did make sure that i was not really doing anything army related during my nine to five hours i really was making sure that that was happening um but in the last year of working there i think that the answer would be no and that was one of the things that made me realize that i may have i may have to consider leaving um Aside from being ready to leave, I also felt like I wasn't given 100% anymore and all I could think about when I was at work was army because it was growing and I needed to manage it. So I think once I started realizing that I wasn't giving my 100% and it was detrimental to not just my development in my career, but it was actually detrimental to the business as in the company that I worked for, then I, I realized that something had to give. And then also, trying to grow Army to its next stage of like where it is as a business record did need me to be on ground full-time. And then I think having a full-time team and being part-time just didn't make sense to me. I was like, why would people commit 100% of their time when owner of the company is only there part-time it just it doesn't really I don't really think it does much for company morale because if you don't even see it as something you should be doing full-time then why should somebody else see it as something to do full-time like that's just my thinking
1: okay okay thanks for that um so let's go back a bit. so you did a soft launch it was a success then what did you do afterwards and how did you scale to what our is today
0: so I think after that I just um, carried on. I was I just started selling off of our Instagram page via DMs and everything, and did that for a couple of weeks. Then it was Christmas. Finished all the stuff that I had, as in in terms of ingredients and packaging materials. So I finished all those and then I stopped. Um,
1: mid- this was your friends and um, colleagues. Then you hadn't started marketing. Right.
0: So I guess I had, I still had a few people that were buying that were not people I knew because this was from social media. So that was what it was initially, but yes, a lot of a lot of it was people that I already knew and friends of friends, family, all of that. And then a couple of people from like social media who just found me on Instagram or met me at the exhibition. Um, then I stopped mid-December and then we started again mid-February the following year. That was 2017. Um, by that time I had then taken the money I had made from those few sales at Christmas and reinvested it back into the business. So I think one of the, one of the beautiful things about having a nine to five while you have a side hustle is that you can actually live off your nine to five. So you don't have to spend the money you're making from your side hustle. So I was able to reinvest that money right back into the business to be able to buy more ingredients, more packaging and, start selling again, which is what I did.
1: Why the break between November and um, February?
0: I just wasn't ready. I didn't have all I needed. And I had to wait for a few things to be imported.
1: Okay, okay. Then from then to now, just talk about how it evolved.
0: So I think from looking back, on then to now I mean it's a long time this is like three years plus so it's just been sometimes I really do lie there and I'm like wow is this army like is this mine like wow is this is this what I've been doing and is this where it is now like this is amazing I'm very happy and everything but it's been a lot of sacrifice and it's been a lot of long nights and days and weeks and years and months and it's actually been it's been a long time so to somebody else having a business for three years i think somebody will say your business is young have you been able to grow it in this time half the time you had a nine to five and everything and i think I just really didn't have many off days. Like in the first two years of the business, I really didn't have many off days. I really didn't just go on holiday and forget about the business or decide I wasn't doing the business that day. Like even though it wasn't my the, the source of my of, of provision for me, I still treated it like it was. I really think I treated it as if I was living off of it and I was feeding a family off of it that's kind of like how I was working because I don't know what necessarily was the what really did that but I guess I do I think it was having a vision I think I had a vision of where I wanted to go so the vision of army is to be is to be a um, is to pioneer the rebirth of natural products from Africa um, or natural ingredients from Africa as finished products into the global cosmetic space so, so we want to be a game player out, not just in Nigeria but outside as well we want to kind of show the world that we're not just good for processing shea butter and sending it to you so that you can process into a finished product and sell back to us no like we're actually good for selling you raw ethical products that are of a high standard quality wise in terms of the ingredients but also branding wise so it's been an interesting journey i'm very grateful that i started by myself but now i have like 14 employees and it's just been it's been a journey of a lot of growth personally and obviously for the business and one that i look back on with a lot of joy and gratitude
1: let's talk about scaling how how were you able to scale what did you do and what helped
0: so I think in terms of scaling as I mentioned a lot of that is is um can definitely be attributed to the fact that I was reinvesting all of the profit right back into the business I was lucky enough to have a room in my house where I could operate out of and that was what I did for the first year plus and then we converted a space at the back of my house, which is in the compound, but not attached to my house, into like a makeshift factory. That was how it started. And now it's actually become like a real factory. It's not not very big, but it's enough for us and where we can grow. So I think what really contributed to scaling was having an area that I was able to access within my immediate vicinity for production. And then also the fact that I was working at this nine to five. So I was able to reinvest the profits of the business back into it.
1: Then did you start marketing and doing sponsored ads and social media?
0: Yeah, we, we definitely are heavy on social media. We don't really do that many sponsored posts. We do a few, but, um, I have communications experience, so that was one of the things that I was very keen on doing: growing an organic following. So, like real followers, are going to buy the product, talk about it, review them, post about them, and everything. So, everything we try to do in terms of branding and packaging is to encourage people to share their thoughts and share their products with their with their with their community. So, okay. it hasn't really much about sponsored posts but more about building our community because word of mouth is really key so if we can get people talking about it and get the awareness up and then get the people that like it to speak to their family and friends about it then we have something so that that's really been where we've been trying to build
1: were there moments you wanted to quit or give up
0: yeah I mean I think every entrepreneur feels that multiple times within the journey um,
1: Could you talk about one experience?
0: One experience, I guess, would be maybe the the journey with NAFDAC. So, getting our certification, which we have now, thank God, but it was a long journey and I, I honestly believe that it was because we tried to do it the right way. So, in Nigeria, lots of documentation and regulatory processes do take a long time when you just do them normally. But if you know someone that knows somebody that can push this through and then you just, you know, grease the elbows here and there, then it's a lot quicker and a lot easier. But I just don't want to build my company on on things like that. I want to build it on what is real and have to endure whatever process comes with it. But yes, a number of times even within that process it made me want to give up. But I'm very happy that I stuck it out.
1: What helped you in sticking it out in those low moments?
0: The knowing that this was definitely my my purpose, the knowing that I had I have a role to play in the world and the army is a big part of what I'm doing here at this time of my life. So the vision and the mission of the business really did help me to hold it together and being and having the have and knowing that I have God that I can rely on at all times definitely helped me
1: okay okay what lessons has running army taught you
0: running army has definitely taught me patience people management skills patience is was um, golden I was actually having a conversation with somebody about that this morning patience is it's so key if you want to run a business in Nigeria I've also learned. But also about business and about the financial side of business and how just if even if you're making X amount in a year that doesn't mean anything unless you've calculated your profit uh, making sure that your 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 whatever products or services are costed properly that's been a big lesson um, cost of production has been a huge lesson and understanding that if you're not pricing your products properly, you will be making a loss or your margins will just be so minimal that there'll be almost be no point. Um, and I think running a business has really, has really made me know that absolutely anything is possible. So when you have a vision and a dream, it's actually possible for it to, to actually happen because a lot of people think that dreams are really founded on nothing. And it's all about self-motivation and, and um, how you can pump yourself up, but I'm actually of a different opinion. I think that dreams and and visions are, are there for you to run towards. But what actually keeps you on the journey is, or what has kept me on the journey is, the faith of knowing that this is actually going to be a reality. So I think you have to even believe. That you're gonna succeed before you can even succeed I don't think people that don't think that they're going to succeed actually succeed because I think a lot of it has to do with your mind so how my mind has definitely i my mind has definitely been a key factor in how everything has worked and I think I'm very protective over my over my mind because of that um, try to keep it as clean as possible as calm as possible and any time I'm feeling off, I try to recalibrate and understand what's going on.
1: So how were you able to get to this point with your mind? Did books help? Or were there experiences that taught you? How did you get your mind to this level or to this state?
0: In regards to my mind, I think having quiet time in the morning, praying and reading the Bible has really helped me. I think that Fasting actually has helped and I know that people do associate fasting with religion, which for me, it is very spiritual, but I also know that people that are not even religious understand the, the health and the mental benefits of fasting. So just keeping yourself in a fasted state just allows your clarity to be in full force. So that has really helped me. and. Reading, I used to love reading when I was younger, kind of fell out of love with it as I got older. Not really that I fell out of love with it, but I was more interested in other things like going out. But now I've really regained a love for reading again. That has really helped. Um, And recently I had had a session with a therapist, which I'm going to try and maintain. And that also really helped with my mind and just sorting through my thoughts because I'm sure you know that things can sometimes just be jumbled up and you don't really even, you just don't really have a clue as to like what is going on. But having someone to talk to about it that really doesn't know me and can just help me sort through my thoughts, that's been quite a a freeing experience.
1: Okay. Could you briefly talk about the... Impactful role having a mentor plead?
0: Having a mentor has been one of the most fundamental keys to my success as an entrepreneur. Having a mentor is like having an accountability partner that you really, really respect and you don't want to let down and you're excited to talk to and you can bounce ideas off of. Like, my mentor is one of the closest people to me. She's practically a second mother, and but having that relationship with someone that isn't actually a mom but does care about you, but is really really concerned about the success of what you're doing, is just so. It's the experience has just been next to none. Um, it's been something that has greatly shaped how I've been able to build the company is really helps in terms of organization keeping to deadlines sifting through things to to, rem- to remind myself of what is important and I'm bringing myself back to a place where i don't lose sight of the vision and i don't lose the core because you don't want to just start going off on a tangent so she has really helped to ensure that i stay on the path to where i want to go to
1: OK, um, if you could explain briefly, because I know people have difficulties, one, in getting people to mentor them and so nurturing those relationships. So how have you been able to achieve this?
0: So I think my key or my top advice for getting a mentor and keeping a mentor will be to get a mentor, you need to be assertive. To keep a mentor, you need to be persistent. So to get a mentor, you need to be unafraid and just Speak to whoever you want to be a mentor to be a mentor. You have to be prepared to get rejected because busy people are busy. The likelihood of you wanting a mentor that is busy is high because they inspire you. So obviously, they're going to be busy. But you have to literally just be persistently checking for them. Like maybe they miss a meeting, don't just go quiet. You have to literally call them, like, oh, sorry, we're meant to have a meeting. I wanted to know when would be next be convenient for you and follow up. Like as if the person owes you money, that's the kind of following up you have to do when you have a mentor and making sure that you go to them with structure. So you don't want to waste their time because then they just won't even want to mentor you.
1: Thank you. How do you unwind today?
0: How do I unwind? Now my social life is a lot better than I used to be because I realized the importance of relationships after I kind of went MIA and into hibernation. In those first two years, I realized that, no, that's not a way to live. I do need to have balance. So now I do spend a lot of time with my friends. I love eating out. I love making cheesecake. I maybe watch a film from time to time or a show because of Netflix. Um, yeah, those are the things I, I love to do to unwind. And I do love traveling. Obviously you can't do that right now, but um, on a in, a in a usual, in a more normal time, that would that would be part of it.
1: Okay. Um, would you ascribe your success to luck or to your hard work skills and talents?
0: Um, definitely not luck. Uh, I think partly to do with hard work but I think the main part of my success is just my faith in God. I really think that has driven my success. I think God has helped me on the journey because even when you're doing a lot of hard work if you're not grounded or you don't have a vision that you can have faith in it's very easy to get tired to get weary to not be able to endure the hard times but I think that my relationship with God has really helped me to endure very lonely and tiring seasons of my life
1: okay what's your advice to listeners
0: my advice to listeners is to drop procrastination and pick up the word go so Sometimes we can be waiting for things to be perfect. And when I first started, I I was waiting for a time when I thought it would be perfect to just launch then when I had everything in order, when everything was perfect and everything. But I would encourage people to drop procrastination and to drop perfection. Because sometimes we think that procrastination is about because you're lazy, but it's not. Sometimes it's because you just want everything to be, you want all the circumstances to be right or what you think is right before you start. But there's really never a right time and you're just delaying what you should be doing. And the last thing you want to do is to delay something so long that you see somebody else doing what you have planned to do. So my advice to anyone listening is to go.
1: Okay. Um, Who would you like us to interview next?
0: Yeah, let me have a think about it.
1: No worries. What should we look forward to from you and army over the next few months? Yes.
0: Um, look forward to a new, a new season or a new generation of beauty and essentials in Africa with with integrity. That's what you should look. That's what you should look forward to from us. Knowing that we're trying to look for a way to conquer all the needs that people have in terms of cosmetics and essentials. So we're actually trying to look at how we can be like a wellness brand that caters to all your beauty and essential needs. So look out for some very innovative products that you've never even thought of before. So they're helping with the need that you have or you just didn't know that that was the form they were going to come in. So just look out for your needs being met.
1: That or Erunshui, She is the founder and CEO of Arami Essentials. Thank you for listening to our show this week. If you liked it, do leave us a review, a comment, and share with your friends. Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend and to tell another friend. We would also love to read from you. So please do send us a tweet or leave a comment on Instagram at OriginsAF. You can also write to us at podcast at gmail.com. Remember, do subscribe at wherever you get your podcast: Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, YouTube, SoundCloud, amongst others. Join us next time as we have a chat with Dr. Taya Oyediji. He is the founder and CEO of Overwood, an investment company.
0: All through the year. I was working at the workshop and I was also writing. But I really, really wanted a corporate job. I wanted a real job. And I'd been applying everywhere. I I didn't even get a single interview. I think nobody called me for an interview. So one day I was just really, really dejected. I was, man, it was like there were just dark, dark clouds all over me and I was so down so I went up um, I was living with my sister and the house had a rooftop so I just went up to it and I just I looked up and I said God please help me <laughs> You know, I've done everything I know to be right just help me
1: Our sound producer this week was Tumisha Jani, and the theme song was composed by Just Written me. I'm Oshaya and you've been listening to Origins Africa podcast Bye for now
0: My father told me life is not a bitter road